A net orchid science indicates that Rob is not here today with me. He is traveling around regional Victoria at the moment, checking old abandoned ABC transmitters for any lost Doctor Who episodes before the Wigan Wonder gets his hands on them. So first of all, on behalf of uh, Rob and myself, I'd like to wish you all a very happy new year and to uh, help celebrate this fact and ring in 2021 on a hopefully more positive note than we had in 2020. We are today launching our brand new segment called Fantastic Creators, where we shine the spotlight on some of the uh, wonderful and talented people within Doctor Who fandom. First guest we are delighted to have on today is Millie McKenzie. You might have seen her fantastic Doctor Who uh, sculptures on Twitter. A couple of weeks ago, I sat down with Millie. We talked about what she does and also her love for the program. So I hope you find this chat extremely informative and a lot of fun like I did. So take it away, Mark and Millie. Over the last few months, uh, our next guest has been delighting Doctor Who fans all over the world with her wonderful clay caricatures of many doctors and adversaries from all eras of the program. It's our pleasure today to uh, be speaking to Millie McKenzie, talking to us from the uh, land of the long white cloud, aka New Zealand. So, hi Millie, welcome to 42 to Doomsday. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. Uh, The first question is what we always ask our our guests is, uh, what drew you to Doctor Who? When did you start watching and uh, did you watch any other telefantasy programs? programs before that well i didn't start watching until it was i believe it was 2014 which was the first episode of series eight um peter capaldi's first episode deep breath i knew what doctor who was i have never got any memories of watching it as a child although i i knew all the fundamentals i knew what a tardis was and a dalek and regeneration so i think that my brother must have been watching it in the same room as me and i just somehow absorbed all that information um so when it started up again in 2005 i knew what it was but I couldn't watch it because I couldn't tune that channel on on my bunny ears, which was unfortunate. (laughs) So, yeah, it wasn't until 2014 that I got a Sky Digital um, dish, satellite dish, and I could get all the channels. And then I just stumbled across one Sunday evening an episode of Doctor Who, and it just happened to be the very first one of a new series of a new Doctor. Fell in love with it instantly and then just spent the next six years or so just watching everything. That's really interesting because a lot of our guests and the hosts have come from the traditional classic era route all the way through to the new series where it's actually quite uh, refreshing to speak to somebody who's just come through the new series route and has sort of then gone back. So what were your initial thoughts of watching? I mean, Deep Breath is actually a pretty good jumping on point for a a fan to sort of mesh in a program. So what did you like about it? Um, I loved how it was crazy and I didn't understand anything that was going on, but I thought that Peter Capaldi was an amazing actor. I didn't know who he was, but I thought he was awesome and he was a lot of fun. And the moment that really cemented it for me, I think is the scene in the restaurant when um, (laughs) Clara thinks she's by herself and then she smells a smell mm. and then she turns around and he's sitting there in his tramp clothes <laughs> and she, you know she wafts that smell away and he's like yeah I know it's everywhere isn't it and I remember laughing so hard at that and I just thought oh this is just as, this is just great and then it got really tense and crazy down in the basement and I thought man this is so much fun um, I need to watch more of this you're still watching it now are you I am yes yeah you are. I love it now Our series series 12 was oh, I loved it I just loved every minute of Series 12, except for Orphan 55, but, you know, nobody liked that. So Timeless Children, did you like that? It. You really? Loved it. Tell us why. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I don't come from the past like you guys do. I come from a modern take on... on yeah. ...storytelling. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't have that memory of it as a child. I'm, I don't feel like anybody's hurt me in any way for changing this. I feel like it's an exciting new opportunity that's opened up. And I'm really looking forward to seeing 
them explore it. That's like my take on Star Trek and Discovery. Like a lot of people get upset that it sort of mucks around with continuity, but I don't really care because I'm not that enmeshed in it. Where with Doctor Who, we are very enmeshed in it and we have that baggage. So um... I've noticed that because I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and a lot of them are like um, you guys were, you've been watching it since childhood. Mm. And I am noticing quite a... <laughs> quite a sort of feel of indignation <laughs> that, is, that is crossing the board and, and, I, and I feel sad for you guys because I can understand how that must feel but hmm. coming from where I'm sitting from it's it's awesome have you gone back to watch the classic stuff I've watched everything except for the stuff that doesn't exist wow that's an absolute lie sorry I, I can't bring myself to watch um, the curse of Fenric and survival because I feel like once I do that um, it's all over so they're still sitting <laughs> and <laughs> they're still sitting wrapped in cellophane on my Oh my dear. Everything else I've watched, yeah, um, at least once. Mm. Okay, well, I- I'm going to give you a clue. Have a couple of glasses of wine, open the cellophane up and put them on. You'll be delighted and surprised. And then watch a TV movie and then get Rose. So you won't have any gap. They're actually really good episodes for the show to uh, finish on, although, you know, we didn't know it at the time. So you've gone through and watched everything apart from the missing stuff. And yeah. how long did that take you? And, and talk about some of the highlights and lowlights of the classic series and from your perspective. Um, how long did it take me? Gosh, it took me, it probably took me a whole year yeah. of sourcing all the um, DVDs, just just cherry-picking them on Amazon by their names and what the covers look like. I didn't go in any particular order. Yeah. I think my very first one I watched, very first classic one I watched was The Invisible Enemy with K-9 wow. in it. Because <laughs> usually people say it's either Ark in Space or Caves of Androzana, but you basically said, I'm going to go for Invisible Enemy. And did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. I thought it was so cute. I love that little shrimp prawn, thing. Yeah, yeah, the prawn. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was great fun. Like I say, I didn't, I didn't research any of it. I didn't know which ones were the best and the most exciting, and what fans thought were great. I didn't um, go down that route at all. I just, I just chose things by the name of them that interested me and what the pictures on the DVDs looked like. It looked interesting. You didn't come with any baggage or any preconceived ideas, because like usually when people say, you know, what should I recommend to a person to watch classics? I was like, you know, City of Death, where you've just done the um, a different approach, more of a random approach, and I think you know you don't come in with any baggage. Exactly, I had no baggage at all, and yeah. I've I've learned all the baggage that exists out in the world. I'm sorry, uh, to hear recently, that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a shame. But I quite like that I never had to endure any of that. Um, I didn't have any of that baggage when I watched, uh, like for example, the Six Doctor era, which I. Had absolutely love and I've learned that a lot of people don't it was a lot of lot of fun it sort of felt never-ending as well because you know you'd look on Wikipedia and you see all the ex- episode list and it just went on and on and on and on and it was so exciting because I knew there was so much out there for me to keep exploring and I just loved it all some of them weren't as good of course but a lot of them were great I think if I had any real highlights um, any real favorites that I could choose that would be probably I love the Pyramids of Mars. Mm. I've watched it quite a few times. Um, there's something about that. I, I mean, I love all the classic horror movies, the universal horror movies and stuff. So something about that really worked for me. And I love the chemistry between Tom and Sierra. Yeah. And um, I really love Inferno as well. That's that's great. And if I was to choose a first Doctor favourite, I love the Keys of Marinus. It's... Did you watch an episode a day or two episodes a day? Or what was sort of the, the viewing regime you, you undertook? Uh, depends on on how big they are. Mostly, I watch them in one night, but um, some of them are a little bit big or a little bit boring, so they they sort of go on a little bit for maybe two or three days. 
But mostly, mostly I usually watch them in one sitting, like a big binge watch. Have you watched the War Games in one big watch? I think I watched it in one one whole Sunday or something. Yeah, wow. I loved it. It's great. It's funny because like 20, 30 years ago, that was decried as being a bit of a boring run around where now it's uh, and, and again it's all about you know fandom's wisdom changes over the years but you're coming in watching inferno and and pyramids of mars and those sort of classic shows and you know they're still resonating with people is fantastic so who's your favorite doctor classic doctors yeah. my favorite classic would be um john pertwee oh, the great man yeah i just love that whole era i love the unit family i love love everything about it it's just so much fun and i also like i said before i love colin baker i think he's great because he came after davison so do i he's my favorite doctor so careful i liked him but i found him incredibly he was lacking in a personality like he didn't really i liked the stories i liked the companion relationship that he had with the likes of tegan Mm. i thought that was quite fun but I, i found him a little bit lacking in personality whereas then Colin came along and he reminded me so much of Peter Capaldi um, on the the first series of series eight that I watched and I just I loved it I thought yes we've got some character not only character with the way he acts and the way he talks and how he's so angry at everybody and he feels he's so superior which was quite like Peter Capaldi in the first series that I watched he's also got full of character with that disgusting outfit that he wears it's just <laughs> it's so much fun to watch and the permed hair I love it it is very 80s isn't it do you get distracted by the coat when I watch Colin Baker my eyes just keep averting back to the coat all the time and I'm trying not to but um, do your eyes avert to it they do I hardly ever look at his face and just constantly looking at his outfit poor old Colin Baker a lot of people say including myself as Peter Capaldi is Colin Baker done right but he's actually I think let to play it the way he wanted to um, but also there's BBC machinations involved that whole period of the show in terms of the backroom shenanigans you don't really get involved in that you'll uh, you'll go down a rabbit hole like me and rob can't get out of so um yeah you best <laughs> to sort of keep moving along yeah it's nice to keep a little bit more ignorant and in the mccoy era what were your thoughts on, on the mccoy era the mccoy era is something that i'm really struggling with i am i've started to just recently after um listening to various podcasts that kind of rave about him i've started to re-watch some of his episodes and i've I'm getting a new appreciation for him. First time around, I didn't really quite get his characterization. Um, And I found a lot of the stories, they seem to have like a whole episode just missing. Mm, they, yes. they sort of yeah they feel a little bit like disjointed not finished yeah not finished but yeah. I've, I've like I say I've tried to start watching some of them again and I'm actually um, looking at it with different eyes which is quite exciting so I'm, I'm starting to enjoy some of his stuff I love Happy Mr. Patrol that's my favourite I think the McCoys have got some great scripts in it um, some of the production is a little bit flawed but that's just Doctor Who but there's lots of great ideas in the McCoy era definitely so um, but as I said to speak to somebody who's a lot of enthusiasm about the classic series who's coming into it you know new is great and don't let those other podcasts you know turn you off including ours <laughs> no you're all good um, when I get to a podcast it um, is a little bit making me upset I will just turn it off and never listen again so it's all right <laughs> So we have to have, to have a milli rating on everybody's podcast <laughs> yeah. now. If, yeah, we sort of came across you on Twitter and just seeing you posting your caricatures and then you've built up a real big audience, haven't you, really, um, in terms of people requesting caricatures to be to be done. I noticed you haven't done my two suggestions yet, Millie. The, Which the, ones were your two? Mine was the Ergon. You just suggested that today. <laughs> well, I was hoping you'd have it by, to, done by this afternoon. <laughs> so you quick for everybody else. And the Bandrill Ambassador from Time Lash. I know you're a Colin Baker fan. I was hoping you'd have that ready for me. Yeah, but you you were going to go back and tell me the exact point on which um, you saw. I'm you haven't done that yet, so no, no, no. I'll do 
that right after this conversation. But because I can't find any images of him that are more than just the face, then I don't really want to watch Timeless again. I will save you from that and have the image sent to your uh, your email box. So the artistic streak that you have. So talk us about when you started doing these these wonderful caricatures, not from Doctor Who, but when did you sort of start doing all? It's a difficult question. I have always been an artist my whole life. Mm. Um, I used to when I was a small child. I used to um, you know pause videos and copy like Mickey Mouse and stuff on a piece of paper and um, Ren and Stimpy and things like that and um, then I went to art school after I graduated high school I went to art school for four years and I did a fine arts degree in computer art which was an absolute waste of time and I hated every minute of it and I spent the majority of it um, at the movies pretty much every day and then the last and then in the last two weeks I just I don't know what I did I just pushed for two weeks and got stuff out and managed to get a degree so that was a lot of time wasted and a lot of money wasted as well was that because it wasn't you didn't have anything physical to work oh with yeah or, or... I chose I chose the wrong major I, I didn't inspire me in this lightest I thought it would have something to do with helping me get a career but I wish I'd done something more tactile something like sculpture or printmaking yeah, yeah photography even um, so yeah, I, that was that's what happens when you're young and you're forced to go to university. You make silly choices. Yeah, so don't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> yeah. So that was 20 years ago. I graduated to in 2000, I think it was. And um, then since then, I've just done whatever art takes my fancy. I I do. Um, I went through a phase of for about three years of um, making Lego. Yeah. Uh, figures, all sorts of things out of Lego. I took went to Chicago a couple of times on. Um, to the convention they have in Chicago and, you know, one awards and yes. stuff like that. I mastered that world and then once I got sick of that, um, I moved on to a different thing, which is pretty much the way I, I live in my art. I I just live and breathe the thing that I'm doing at that moment mm. until I don't like it anymore and something else takes its place and then I lose all the ability that I just had of, of what I used to do and I can't find it again. <laughs> so basically you put all the effort into it and you sort of extinguish that talent or energy and then you got to move yeah. on to something else. Yeah. Fair enough. So I was making, I did a, I did a wee stint a while back of um, uh, stop motion animation. I made I made all the sets and stuff and I did some little videos of, um, based on, on my cats. And I, I made a little YouTube channel. There's only four episodes of them. But that was a lot of fun. Very time consuming. I'd quite like to get back into that one day. And I also did recently a lot of time spent making like doll's houses right from scratch and and all everything that was inside them all the food all the furniture all the little animals that lived in it you know making it all from scratch um so there's always been some sort of art that i'm doing and the most recent one was after lockdown in new zealand we finished i can't remember what it was it was a long long time ago and but the rest of the world of course was still sick yes. and dying yeah. yeah so and it was it was quite depressing because we New Zealand, you know, we, we eliminated it real quick, mm. but the rest of the world was still struggling, and but the rest of the world was also still at home and getting to watch Doctor Who all day, whereas I had to go back to work now. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, well, I should, um, you know, get that clay out of the garage that we haven't done anything with for a long time, and just start putting some Doctor Who into the world and maybe making somebody smile when they see it. Well, you did, definitely. Talk us through the process of actually making them. So you obviously you got you, you select a, a subject, as it were, you get some reference material. Just talk us through the process. Uh, sure. Um, so basically, yeah, I get some reference material. I look on, on the internet and I print off some pictures at work because <laughs> I don't have a printer at home. And I um, stick them up on the wall in front of me and then I will make a, a wire armature 
and I'll affix it to some sort of base because mm-hmm. they're because they're so top heavy they they don't stand on their own without a base. Um, so yeah, so you make the little wire armature and bulk it out and, and then bake it. And then I usually work on the head while it's baking and the face. And um, you just sort of keep piling up the layers and keep baking it so you don't squash the detail that you've worked on. I don't know how else to make it. That just they just appear. From the inception to a completion of a, of a subject, how long would that usually take? It varies to their complexity. Mm. So for example, I think one of the easiest and fastest ones I made was Scaroth, oh, yes. because because he's just got a white suit on and his head is, is green with some little coils of green clay. It's a Brussels sprout, really. Oh, yes, yeah, and he took probably about three hours to, to wow. make from start to finish. And but then you got some like for example, what some of the most complex ones? I think uh, a Dalek I did, and I did a Vervoid recently, and a Tetrap. Some of those ones. Oh, and the Sixth Doctor that I, I did. I was just going to mention the Sixth Doctor one, and I saw that. I thought, how long did that take you? It did was... take a long time. So that was probably took one of the longest. They they it probably took about twelve hours in total over the course of two days. Twelve hours. Get, <laughs> yeah, to get that one done because it was a lot of. Because um, I don't paint the figures. It's all made with it's all made with coloured clay. So the the clay is pre-coloured. Pre-coloured, yeah. Yeah, and so every little piece of colour that you see on the figures, most of them, some of them are painted, but most of them, every little piece of colour that you see is individually attached um so all the details and the patterns on um colin's outfit was very time consuming you'd be going cross-eyed by the end of it trying to get the colors <laughs> right in terms of clay so have you got like a big dash of pre-colored clay in, in the back somewhere ready to go or do you have to sort of go out and get it when you need it a bit of both i usually probably spend a good hundred dollars or so maybe once a month and just buy up a heap of clay and then starts to run out and you just buy it up again i don't have a huge stash of it um, you don't. I don't really use very much. They're only about twelve centimeters tall, oh, okay. and um, they're dressed like a doll. So the clothes that they're wearing, the figures especially, not the monsters, but the clothes that they're wearing, the inside of them is tin foil or um, just a really cheap, nasty clay that's mm. on the inside. So the the nicer clay is is just oh. a thin layer over the top. The wrapping, as it were, on on the top. Yeah. 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 When you make these figures and you, you bake, you got a kiln, or is it just a home a conventional oven? Just a conventional oven. Conventional oven. And then you take a, a lovely little picture and you post it around the world and just talk us about the reaction that you get from fellow Doctor Who fans about your figurines. Well, the reaction I get is unbelievably positive. Like well, it's, um... It is amazing for a bunch of Doctor Who fans on Twitter to actually all uniformly praise a wonderful piece of work like that. I haven't seen anybody being critical. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> You've unified <laughs> Doctor Who fandom every time you post a picture. But yeah, just talk about the responses you get though and how they make you yeah. feel. They make me feel really good. They make me. That's why I keep pumping out so many because, mm. you know, people just seem to be really like lapping it up and it's quite fun. I mean, I've not got a huge fan base, but the fan base I do have and the, the loyal regulars that keep keep commenting um is, is so rewarding i love it it's appreciation for the work you're doing and especially as you said you now other people you know we're sort of emerging out of lockdown and new zealand's been out of lockdown for longer than you know a lot of other countries and a lot of other countries are going back into lockdown so mm. i mean anything to sort of brighten the mood as well but also it's a it's a release for you isn't it to um to work on something that you obviously got talented on and and you love yeah and it is because a lot of um doctor who fans i know that there's a lot of Doctor Who fans out there and a lot of science fiction fans, Star Wars fans, Harry Potter, everything like that, all of us geeks. We like our official merchandise. We like screen accurate representations that we can put on our shelves. These aren't that at all. They're cartoons. They're brightly coloured. They've got big heads. They've got big eyes. You know, there's there's nothing screen representational on them at all because I don't simply don't have the skill to, to copy something exactly yet. 
Um, so I like that there are a lot of people that also appreciate that and quite like it that it's just fan art and they know it doesn't actually mimic exactly what they see on the screen, but they still enjoy it, which is cool. You can tell that they are unique compared to the mass-produced character options dolls, for example. These are a unique take on a Doctor Who figure. Obviously, you've got some responses and nobody's you know done the usual Twitter thing and attacked you, which is fantastic. What's next for you? So you're still going to keep on doing the Doctor Who figures or is there other TV shows or movies lots of branch out to? Sort of talk us through what, uh, what the next steps are for you. Well, I think for the foreseeable future, I'll stick to the Doctor Who because there's there's so much in it. And like I, I've put that little request thing on, on my Twitter feed so people can, you know, because I, I sometimes forget how many different characters and monsters and aliens and villains there are out there. So that just by the way of people requesting something reminds me and it starts focus focuses me on what to make next. So uh, I think I'll stick with Doctor Who for a little while, but I do love the things like uh, Doctor Who and I do love Star Wars. So it will be quite nice to branch out to, to some different things eventually. A clay Mandalorian. There you go. A baby Yoda in clay. I did actually make a baby Yoda a long time ago, uh, right when it was... You know, everybody was. I hopped on bandwagon. I haven't actually seen it, but I, I hopped on the bandwagon when everybody was making them. What was it la- at the end of last year? Yeah. And um, it was very, very small, and it was not very good. So I won't be showing you that. But yeah, oh. one day I'll make you another one. Did the Yoda take two, as it were? Can you make a business out of it? Like potentially make private commissions and, and sell them? Is, is that? something you could look into um yeah there's definitely something that i would quite like to look into mm. uh i don't really know i'm not sure of the legal stuff like you know is fan art are you allowed to sell fan art you know they're not my characters i don't really understand the the legal aspect of that sort of thing maybe some some of your listeners might be able to help me on that but it would be quite nice to maybe make an etsy shop or something that i can um I can send things away overseas to people. You know, you could be absolutely flat out. That could be become your primary job, building these <laughs> models all day. You know, the, the oven would be going 24-7. It's getting ridiculous, the amount of figures I've got scattered around my house. Like, I'm, I'm honestly, honestly swimming in them. So it would be quite nice to offload some of them. And would you bake them again? <laughs> so basically, if, would you, <laughs> if you sold, say, for example, the, the, the Scaroth or something like that, and you go, oh, I actually missed that, I'll make that again. That's the problem. I would miss yeah. it instantly. As soon as I've packaged it up and sent it once Mary away, I'll be like, why did I do that? Exactly. No, I don't have it. Exactly. And then I'll try to make it again. And it's like, you know, when you try to make that second coffee, nah. it never it never tastes the same. So Exactly right. Maybe you need a bigger house, Millie, to, to ha- <laughs> or, or some sort of office next door to wetter. Uh, where you can actually house all your stuff and say, hey, give me a job at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a big fan, obviously, of the Chibnall slash Jodie Whittaker era. What are your thoughts about the truncated season length? I think it would be quite good to not have another Orphan 55. I don't see any harm in that, providing he knocks off the two that are those ones and sticks to the eight that follow the proper course of the series that he wants to get out there i'm okay with that so you reckon chip is less is more yeah but i do have a fear that he's going to choose the wrong ones to get rid of i don't know what about characters from the the, the jody whittaker era yeah i've made jody and i've made uh tim shaw how did tim his, shaw go the face is made of his teeth. face yeah. his face has got teeth teeth yeah. embedded all through his blue yeah. face that was honestly that was a lot one of the most fun i've had is pressing those teeth into that squishy blue face because he's horrible I pre-baked the teeth. You see, ah. I made the teeth. I made the teeth out of clay, and then I pre-baked them so they were hard. So then I could push them into the uh, soft clay to get them in place. And I don't know. There was some sort of delicious relish I took out of out of embedding all those teeth and 
That's sick, I know. I'm sorry about that. You might have edited this bit out. Your fetishes are safe with myself and the rest of our listeners as well. If you want to continue that sort of um, uh, journey, Millie, maybe look at doing Megalos next. Spiky, thorny face. Yeah. Cactus. I reckon that could be right up your alley. And a destroyer, maybe from Battlefield as well. He's got a sort of bit of a lumpy face and and Mm. things like that. If you want to keep going down that path as it is. Maybe not too many times. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Again, less is more. Yeah, less is but more. yeah, I made I made Jodie Whittaker. I made I was really happy with that figure. Um, her face wasn't quite right, but none of them are because I'm not very good at faces yet. I thought that I did pretty well on her little outfit and her um, little coat. It took me quite a while to do, but um, because because of the way of people, there wasn't much response to that figure because they don't like her, I guess. So they. Just ignored the figure, which was I found I found quite interesting. But I'm fine with that because I would much rather people don't say anything than say something nasty. Exactly. That has, that has nothing to do with my art. So, yeah. Yeah. So, when are you going to watch Doctor Who? Was next? What's uh, I know you've sort of gone back and watched all the classic Who. What's your ideal Sunday afternoon slash comfort Doctor Who that uh, you'd put on when you got a bit of spare time? The oven's not uh, going for full <laughs> tilt. What would you put on? Um, what would I put on? I love the Trial of the Time Lord series. The entire thing. Really? Watch- yeah, sitting watching it from start to finish, all fourteen episodes. In one go. In one day, yeah. Oh, I've done that so many times. I, it's it's like it's my sick thing. So if I'm <laughs> ill from work, and I, uh, <laughs> and you can just sit on the couch for however many hours is six, eight hours or whatever, and just watch it over the course of an entire day, and I just love it. Bottle of wine next to you? No, not when I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> What do you like about the Trial of the Time Lord? Like the DVD has, it's tried to restore its reputation. So what, what sort of entices you to keep watching it? It's the trial. So it's not the individual episodes, the stories within those episodes, but it's the actual entirety of the trial. It's cutting to the trial over mm. the course of all episodes. It's like, it, I really do believe that it was ahead of its time. It wasn't made for the uh, serial style that it was yeah. aired as. It's made for the today. It's made for binge watching. Mm. It's made for Netflix. It's made for you're supposed to sit down there and watch it from start to finish. And that's the only way that I feel that you can actually truly appreciate what is happening within the trial itself is to see it one after the other and not try and pretend that we're watching Mysterious Planet. We're not watching Mind Warp. We're not watching Vervoids. We're watching the trial. And those other things are just evidence within the trial. And I just I love it. It's every single genre that you could think of in that whole series. And so depending on what mood you're in, there's something that works for it. You know, there's it's like Mind Warp is disgusting. It's it's gross and it's really brutal. And then you've got um, you know brutal body horror. And then you've got uh, Agatha Christie murder mystery in the Very Voids. And then you've got like this crazy 80s trippy Remington Steel episode and the ultimate foe mm. and then Mysterious Planet is just a fun Doctor Who episode and then amongst all of that is just the crazy Valiard and and the weirdness that's going on inside that trial and all the crash zooms on Colin's face yeah, and, yeah. maybe you should work on a character of that just a camera focusing on Colin's face it does get <laughs> ridiculous doesn't it it's like how do we finish it another crash zoom another crash zoom it's funny you mentioned the individual stories because Trial of the Time was supposed to be one big story 
And they only sort of, uh, that segmentation of those stories really only sort of happened when, to try and publicise Dragonfire back in 87, they said this is a 150th Doctor Who story. And the only way they could get to that number was actually to segment those um, those stories. And of course, of the books as well, they had to do that as well. But uh, yeah, it was supposed to be a trial, an umbrella theme. But yeah, you're probably right. It was was slightly ahead of its time. You're coming through again with with fresh eyes. You don't have that baggage where I think some of us are watching it and going, oh, I remember this. You know, this is when the show nearly got canned. And I started watching The Mysterious Planet on the box set. I the extended cuts so I need to sort of get get back and finish the rest of it because there is some good stuff in there so I wish they changed that bloody costume for that season it's just so <laughs> distracting yeah it is and I think it even halfway through the season it gets even worse because he gets a new a new uh, waistcoat yeah. and it's even it's even crazier yeah, yeah I mean I, I'm not not pretending that it's flawless excellent it, I just think it's actually full of flaws and it's really quite bad but it's like a guilty pleasure I just really enjoy it it's hard to explain. What about other comfort Doctor Who? So Trial is your, your go-to, but uh, if you haven't got eight hours to sort of spare, new series stuff, would you sort of, uh, episodes of that, would you reach for those as well? Or would you just primarily go back and watch some classic stuff? Um, at the moment, I'm watching lots of classics because mm. I've watched the new stuff so much. But there are lots of new ones that I do love to just put on. And I, I love Donna from Series 4. So mm. I love um, I love The Unicorn and the Wasp and oh, The Silence in the Library. Forest of the Dead ones yeah, from there, yeah. and yeah, Midnight and Turn Left, and um, I also love I I love anything with Capaldi in it. He's just a legend. He is. He is the other great man, as I call him. Mm. Yeah, he was wonderful, actually. I love series six. I really? Love the, yeah. I, I, I only love say it. I sound terrible when I say really like that. I'm not meaning it like that. I really. Be. Tell us why you like season series six. <laughs> It's so it's so funny because this is because like I, I mentioned before I think we you'd start recording that um I've only, I'm only just recently online with mm. my Doctor Who fandom yeah. um as of as of the start of this year and it has been quite a wake up call to me because I've been living <laughs> in this this blissful world thinking that I love all these things and then I, as soon as I hopped online and I've learned that pretty much everything that I've considered to be my favourite are like universally panned and it's like okay. It's interesting. What's wrong with me? Right. I don't care. I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm my own person, so exactly. it doesn't bother me. You know, as long as you enjoy it and you get something out of yeah. it, there's no right or wrong. There's plenty of Doctor Who that I like that people don't like. Yeah. And it's all about, it comes down to individual preference and everything like that. So um... Series 6 is River's series. I adore River. I think out of, besides the Doctor, I think River is probably one of the greatest fictional characters ever invented. I just adore everything about her. And... Um, Series six is her, her series. It's all about her. It's about her origins. It's about the absolute messed up reality that she had was forced to live in. It's, you know, she was ripped from her parents. Um, it's crazy, and it's just Moffat at his best. He's just full of. He's just chucking it all at us. You know, he's not restricted anymore. He's done his first series. He's he kept it relatively safe, although he still had some Moffatisms into it. Mm. But in series six, he's just like, nah, stuff you all. <laughs> Bloody PC. All of a sudden, the, the Wi-Fi adapters decided to do a bloody reset in the middle of the call. I think it's when you mentioned Series 6. I think it just sort of crapped out. I figured you must have just been so sick of me talking about Series 6. You just no, had to hang out. not at all. If it was David Kitchen, though, it would be a different story. <laughs> He's not a fan. No, no, he's not a fan of Netflix. 
year. No. And then how did you go back and watch on the new series? Did you start back with Eccleston and all the way through or did you sort of mix and match it again? No, for the new series, I followed exactly how they aired. So, I, yeah, I finished through the entirety of Series 8 and then I hopped onto Amazon and I got the box set of Series 1 to 4. Yep. And um, so, yeah, I just sat down and watched them. Series 3, I must admit, I was beginning to think, oh, actually maybe it isn't for me because I, I didn't like Series 3 pretty much at all. Um, but then when Series 4 kicked in, I was like, yep, I'm back. I love it. <laughs> and then after Series 4, then I went and got everything else and, and just watched the entirety right up again to Series 8. And by the time um, Series 9 started, I had already started. I'd already watched all of New Who up to that point, and I'd already started on my uh, classic. Are you going to go and the holes in with the missing stuff? Are you going to go and seek out some reconstructions or, or even the animations? Have you watched the animations? Yep, I've watched the animation ones. So the ones that the ones I haven't watched are the ones that haven't had any animation yet. Yeah. So um, oh, the only one I haven't I haven't got Fury from the Deep yet. I'm not sure if it's available for sale here yet. Oh. Faceless ones. Oh, I just started watching it a couple of weeks ago, mm. but I I had a little had a little bit too much wine, so I wasn't focusing on it. So I turned it off and I haven't put it back on yet. Again since. If you're gonna drink wine, watch it with the Macroterra. Jesus. That was great. I loved you the Macroterra. The story or the animation. Both. Okay. Yeah. What did you not like about it? I think the story is really pedestrian. Uh, it's just the animation style was just really sort of a bit out there for me. But I really enjoyed like what they've done with Fury from the Deep and the Faceless ones as well. I'm not a big fan of the, of the macro story in, in itself. It's just a bit, um, a bit pedestrian. It didn't lend itself to the animation, whereas I, I felt Fury did and Faceless ones. So um, yeah, again, it's you know <laughs> different opinions, isn't it? Yeah, I thought the animation was really beautiful. I yeah. thought it was full. It was quite um, atmospheric and. Uh, yeah, it was really, really nice. When are you going to start a podcast? <laughs> uh, I'm not. Have we scared you off? <laughs> you know, you talked about you know baking things for 12 hours. The editing death march goes for about 12 hours as well. Yeah. That's just me cutting out swearing. Do you like the medium? Do you like Doctor Who podcasts, listening to them and listen to the different opinions and going, well, oh, that, that sounds right. That sort of aligns with me or sort of challenges your thinking a bit? I do. I really do. It's um, It's been quite an experience. I've, I've got to keep limiting how many I listen to because yeah. there's just too many to keep track of. Agreed. And so basically I'll just find a new one that I, and I'll listen to a few of them. And if I really like them, then I'll go back and listen to their entire back catalogue and spend, you know, a few – because I listen to podcasts while I'm making my figures. So yeah. that's why I can churn through six years' worth of podcasts in about six weeks. Yeah. Because, you know, the entirety of a weekend, I'm just listening to the podcast one after the after the other. So I'm just completely immersed in it and listening to people's opinions and listening to people. Most people are not like me. Most people have watched it since childhood. Mm. So there's, it's a kind of type of experience that I never had, which I'm quite envious of. Um, so it's quite nice hearing those type of opinions. I find that really fun. But then again, it's actually quite interesting for me talking to somebody who has come through it because I don't really know many a lot of Doctor Who fans I know we've all sort of grown up with the classic era so it's actually really refreshing for me to talk to somebody who hasn't got that I say the word baggage again and mm. looking at it for a different pair of eyes don't take my exasperations like what more like <laughs> oh really you know sort of so don't, don't take it that way that's um, fine I expect that from uh, every oh, time I say you. anything <laughs> like that I get it from everybody it's I find it quite amusing to be honest 
<laughs> Such a unique fandom. I think the Doctor Who one's quite good. And you just got to remember, everybody on Twitter is not what they're like in real life. That's what I've come got to uh, remember. But look, thanks for spending some time with us this afternoon, Millie. It's been great. And keep going with the figures. They, they do bring lots of joy, to, especially, you know, with countries in lockdown. And uh, I wish you all the best forward to seeing my Bandrel Ambassador and Ergon over the next couple of weeks. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> I'd like to thank Millie for spending some time with me. And if you want to check out all her wonderful work, please head over to Twitter and she can be found at CowBearCreates or she's also on Instagram as well, at CowBearCreation. So please go and check out um, those pages and see all her wonderful work there. So in terms of our schedule for 2021, uh, we will be back uh, with another drag from the archives, another what if. We'll be doing also a follow-up to our remember when segment as well and a follow-up to our merchandising melancholy episode we did with aaron challenger and just as a bit of information here aaron has actually uh, set up a brand new shop called aaron's collectibles uh, they are at uh, in blackburn victoria at shop 31 main street blackburn victoria uh, he's on Facebook under Aaron's Collectibles. They're in the middle of building up a, um, a website at the moment, so you can order online as well. But I went down to the shop a few weeks ago, and it's absolutely fantastic. And he's also got an uh, Instagram page as well called Aaron's Collectibles. So I'll put all those information in the show notes there. But uh, yes, Aaron will be back to give us a, an update on the state of Doctor Who merchandising from the retailer's perspective. So look forward to that during the year. So anyway, again, wish you all a very happy uh, new year. We'll speak again soon. You've just listened to another episode of 42 to Doomsday, the podcast that loves talking about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Please drop us a line at 42 to Doomsday at gmail.com. We can be reached at facebook.com forward slash 42 to Doomsday. If brevity is your game, we can be found on Twitter at 42 to Doomsday. Please check out our blog, 42 to Doomsday.wordpress.com, where Mark and I occasionally have something interesting to say. Aside from iTunes, you can listen to us via Stitcher and Player FM. If you enjoyed listening to us, leave a review on iTunes. As always, thank you for listening. Have a great week. We'll speak with you again soon.